The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And Jimmy Johnson looks across the room to me and goes, really got the video? I go, yeah, I got the video. And Terry Bradshaw goes, He's okay with me. I'm like, oh, thank you, my best friend, God Almighty in heaven. <laughs> Hi, my name is Jay Glazer, and I'm here to fuck shit up. Welcome back, everybody. And as you undoubtedly know, this is the podcast we like to call Off the Beat, and I am the host you like to call Brian Baumgartner. Now, if you watch football, or if you've ever watched football, my guess is you know my guest today, Jay Glazer, sports reporter extraordinaire. He is a powerhouse NFL Fox insider with deep knowledge of the game. He knows the players. He knows the politics. He has his finger firmly on the pulse of all breaking news, and he's he's always got the scoop. He is the best in the business. He also trains athletes and celebrities all year round at his gym, Unbreakable Performance Center in West Hollywood. Jay knows everyone. I'm telling you, he knows absolutely everyone in the sports and entertainment world, and I am lucky to call him a friend. But Jay's not just some big, early guy who's all about physical fitness and fighting in the MMA. No, he is very dedicated to mental and emotional wellness as well. Jay has been very open about his personal mental health struggles. And on his podcast, Unbreakable, he talks with experts, celebrities, and recently me about different types of tools and techniques to deal with these issues, both big and small. Jay also runs an amazing program. I have been a part of this, at least peripherally for a long time, MVP, Merging Vets and Players. And what he does is he brings combat veterans and former athletes together for workouts and for emotional support so they can give each other the support and camaraderie that they used to have on their respective teams or troops. 
This is uh, an amazing concept, and uh, it has helped a lot of people. It's a new year. It's playoff season. It's a Tuesday. All of these are wonderful reasons to hear from my friend, the one and only Jay Glazer. Bubble and squeak. I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning left over from the night before. What's up, Jay? What's up, my dude? How are you, buddy? I mean, I'm great now that I'm seeing you. How are you doing? Living the dream, dude. Try them. How's it going? I'm are doing you excited? Playoff football? Always excited, man. It's been great. It's been a wild year for us. We've been on the road more this year than we normally have been. But yeah, we love this, man. Like the studio's been remote more? Yeah. Yeah. We did a show from Air Force Academy. Then we did show from Thanksgiving in New York for the parade. And then the follow-up show there. And then, I mean, I've just been traveling all over the place. Right. But it's great. I love it, man. I love it. It's the best, best reality show in the world. You know, it really, it is. Actually, someone just told me last night. Wait, have we started yet? Yeah, we're yeah, oh, okay. we're, yeah, so we're you, going. Well, you got to give me like a heads up. Uh, no. Like, hey, it, it's go. We're starting right now. No. But, and are we a lot of... Uh, I mean, like, I know I, you're a professional and you love the word action, <laughs> but no, uh, we just go. And what's my language need to be for your podcast? I, <laughs> Do I need to be clean or no? No, no, okay, you don't good. have to be clean. Good. Uh, this might be wrong. Someone told me this last night. This was not researched by me. Of the top 100 programs on network television through the year was it 93 so i don't know what the number but it's yeah it's ridiculous and even if you like man our pregame show the ratings for our pregame show i just asked somebody fox the other day i said why are we not included in the top like for our ratings for a pregame show in all the top shows because our pregame show is like six million right and that's nine o'clock in the morning on the east coast and and Fox NFL Sunday, but our OT, which is after the game, gets you know a stupid number like you know sixteen million or or eighteen million at there or something along those lines, and we're not included in you know the the ratings. Not that we look at ratings um, or can't, well, obviously you want to be the best of what you do, right? But yeah, but yeah, you look at that sometimes you're like, fuck yeah, man, look where you are. Like, why are we not put in there and included with everybody else? But it, I I think it's a it's you know, in all sports is, we're escapism. And right. the crazier this world has gotten, the more people, I think, need this escapism. Yeah. And with football, it's the greatest reality show in the world. You can't make this shit up. Right. And it's fantastic. And it's, it's, for me, I've always gone out also like, look, man, I don't cover the Middle East, right? We're not that important. We're just sports. And our job is to give everybody a break from how fucked up this world could be and, you know, the issues and the problems that we do have. So the more, and that's why our show also in particular, we try and make people laugh. We want right. people to laugh. Like we're going to give you great information constantly. And, but we're going to try and make you laugh also to give you that, that break that we need for the world. Yeah. It, you know, it is, it has become the collective American experience, yeah. right? I mean, it used to be, you know, everybody was sitting down and watching MASH together or right. Friends or The Office or whatever it was. But now it's that lot, like what's going to happen? I need to know now 
and experience it together. We're texting, we're, you know, FaceTiming each other as a play happens. It's it's crazy. Yeah. It's and crazy. Now, now it's even more because look, fantasy football definitely changed my life of being an insider information guy, right? right? And now betting even more so because people are waiting, especially my ins and outs segment at the end of what I'm gonna say, but also like, you know, there's a lot of you know, different moving parts and things that we all may say during a show or all of a sudden it changes the betting lines. There was a there was a time last year or two years ago where I came on and I said, I know Kyler Murray's listed as questionable. And there was another network that's saying they're waiting for his pregame warmups to see what happens. I said, not only is he not going to play today, but he's out the next two or three weeks. And they pulled the game. Uh, one of the casinos pulled the whole game off. The betting you know, line. Yeah, yeah. The betting line. Based on that information, somebody at Fox had told me, and I'm like, oh, shit, that's a lot of that's yeah, that's that's a lot of juice, but that's a lot of you know responsibility too. Right. Um, and I I realized my life changed with football with fantasy football when my dad called me one day and he said, "Could you ask your friend John Fox if Stephen Davis is going to get a lot of carries this week?" And I'm like, "Oh fuck!" So I call Foxy up. I go, "Foxy, how much is Stephen Davis playing this week?" And he's like, "What the fuck do you care? Like you don't care? You care about who's starting? Who's not?" Like. I said, man, my dad's calling for his fantasy football team. because are you shitting me? I said, no. He goes, you really call me because your dad's fantasy football team? I said, I am. He said, tell your dad to sit him. Oh, he did? Yeah. Good for you. See, that's where you, you know, I uh, clearly not as many relationships as you have, but, you know, I have some relationships some ones, ac- yeah. across, across the league. That, for me, is hard and fast. I can't do it. And I'll get asked sometimes too. And I'm like, dude, I'm not, I'm not calling about right, right. game plans or yeah. Like no for, for fantasy football, but good for you. Good for helping well, I, your dad. I used to have, I used to have, I used to be on and the two ones I crack up about the most, I get calls from Michael Phelps who now like, that's my battle buddy. You know, Phelps and I talk a lot when we both have, you know, depression, anxiety, we talk about openly, but when, now we know, like, when we're having an episode, he'll call me so I can be there for him. I'll call him or I'll just check up on him sometimes or he'll check up on me. But back in the day, so we're really close. But before we got close like this, he would be like his, you know, his little freaking drinking stoner buddies, whatever. And they would call me up. I'd be on the middle of, you know, Fox. And he'd be like, oh, wait. I'd answer the phone, like, in between segments. I'm like, what's up, dude? And he'd be like, with his friends, like, wait, wait, I got him on the phone. I got him on the phone. Hey, would you take the Ravens and the points or the Giants and the under? I'm like, Phelps, I don't fucking know. Like, he'd be talking to his buddies. And the other was Chuck Liddell and, oh. and, and your boy David Spade. Spade has, like, nine fantasy leagues, and he would – at least he would call collectively with, like, eight questions. But Chuck <laughs> would call and be like, hey, uh, is uh, Lamar Jackson going today? Yeah, I mean, he's he's fine. He's 100%. Okay, great. And he'd hang up, and he'd call back two seconds later and go, hey, uh, is uh, is Mark Ingram playing today? And we're like, yeah, Chuck, Mark Ingram's playing today. Okay. And then, but he would call like eight times, like, hey, Chuck, can we get like one call with all your questions instead of fucking eight? I know we're punchy as shit here, but can we just like get one call together? But it's, it's, been, it's been, what a wild ride it's been, brother. Oh, I love it. All right. We're going to talk some more about that and about this year. I want to talk about your ute a little bit. You grew up in, uh, in New Jersey. Mm, I like to say, I like to say I grew up outside of New York. 
outside of New York, yeah. just just outside of New York yeah. City. Was football a part of your life early growing up? So I was a wrestler and I, I played football for one year in high school, but realized either I had a cut weight or add weight. And I loved wrestling and I love I love individual sports a lot more because I like to know I'm the reason that I won or lost, mm. not because somebody else's work ethic. And, you know, unfortunately for me growing up when I, when I was wrestling, I cut a lot of weight. I, I wrestled. You'll love this, man. Freshman, sophomore years, I was 101. Um, this 101? Is three, yep. And then my junior year, man, is where I really kind of fucked myself up. I wrestled 106, but I cut from 133. Oh, my. And Lord. I would cut from basically 121 to 106 twice a week. I would only eat. Wednesdays and Saturdays after our meets. And if I didn't pin you early, I was fucked. I guess because I just cut way too much weight. And then end of my season early because of some health issues from cutting too much weight, went up to 114. But that off season, I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. Kind of people didn't really know who I was. And I wrestled at a higher weight and it was great. I was kind of just blowing through everybody. And I had really good freshman and sophomore seasons and went undefeated both years in junior varsity. But then my senior year, like it came out of nowhere, was winning all these off-season tournaments. And we had a scrimmage against somebody else who was a huge name at, at 114. And I knew that at some point he and I are going to meet up in the States at one point. And, man, we just started the scrimmage and pop, freaking popped my knee. And oh, no. injured my knee and, and didn't really recover from it uh, senior year. So I, I love football. Football was my escape. I Like I was a huge Giant fan growing up. And, you know, my dad and I had, had season tickets, section 311, row 18, seats uh, 20 and 21. So you remember that. And that was kind of like the best times I ever had with my dad growing up was going to do that. And, you know, ironically, my first paid gig was covering the Giants in 93. It took four years to get a first paid gig. And, and by the way, the paid gig was 9450 bucks a year, <laughs> like my first 11 years. What could, I was making, but yeah. living in New York is not expensive. Living in New York, yeah. yeah, yeah, I know, right? Like, you know, I had I had to play like Bill's roulette. Like, which bill would I, you know, not pay this month? The only right. bill I knew I had to pay was my phone bill because I had to get right. information. But right, right. Heat was turned off all the time. Electricity was turned off. Guys pounding down the door for my rent all the time. So yeah, I know I'm. You know, my ADD is taking over here, but yeah, I, I I was a huge football fan. Too small though to do anything in football. Right. how much I had to keep my weight down in wrestling. You know, I, I do want to mention, I was not planning to talk about this, but I, my nephew, so my sister, they lived in Germany for a while. He really got into to soccer and basketball. He's an athlete. He, last year, he had an injury, kind of kept him out of soccer for a little bit. He started wrestling mm -hmm. as a freshman. Their high school in Georgia, one state, he this year as a sophomore is now wrestling for varsity. He has transformed himself. Yep. He loves it. He's now not playing soccer. I just talked to my sister yesterday. He's not playing soccer in the spring because he wants to focus on that. Mm -hmm. And he was talking uh, or she was talking to me about the community that mm -hmm. he has made. What you said is what made me think of it. It's an individual sport, but the community, the coaches, yep. how they work together he absolutely loves it. But not absolutely just Absolutely loves it. I learned everything really from wrestling. And what I mean by that is I learned the grind. And wrestling is a sport people don't watch. So it's like, how do you become great? 
It's all those hours you put in when nobody's watching. Right. And that's what a wrestler is, right? You're grinding, you're drilling, you're drilling, you're drilling, you're drilling. And the way I got to where I am in my career is I just outworked everybody. And I just said, I'll be the last motherfucker standing every day. I will outwork them, outwork them, outwork them. And I don't mind if, if people, you know, kind of whip my ass on the way up. I will just outgrind him until everybody eventually says, like, holy fuck, he's still standing there. He's still here. And that's the wrestler's grind right. of just doing it over and over and over and over. And and not until you get it right, just so you don't do it wrong. Right. You know, and that's that's really how I got to where I am in my career, just outworking the world and constantly beating down people's doors and, you know, willing to be rejected a million times. And I got that from wrestling. I got that grind from wrestling. Wow. Well, so you went to Pace. Uh, so no, what, what people don't know is my first college, um, we were doing bad Jersey things. Let's say that. Okay. Um, All right. In the, in the late eighties. <laughs> okay. And I, I, it, I knew I needed to leave or okay. there was bad things ahead. Right. You know, death or jail or something like that. Right. So I knew I needed to leave and kind of get away. So I went to Westchester university of Pennsylvania oh, okay. without seeing it only because they had a boxing team. I don't want to wrestle anymore because I don't want to cut weight. But I was still wanting to compete in, in an individual sport. So I went down there and little did I know it was a dry campus and a dry town. <laughs> I got kicked out of Westchester for quote unquote disciplinary problems <laughs> after a semester and a half. And I went back and I went back to start doing Jersey things. And I actually signed, went and met in Secaucus, New Jersey <clears throat> with a certain crime family to sign to box for them. And that was going to be my future. And I was really excited about it. And um, the day before my first practice was supposed to be in Jersey City. And it's like, God hit me with a lightning bolt. Like, what are you doing? You're not even Italian. You're Jewish. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I, I never I never showed up to practice. Thank God. Because I think my crew got in a lot of trouble after that. And I went to New York City. Yeah, I went to Pace College downtown Manhattan. Wow. It's the cheapest place I could live. And... New York City as your campus, you got to grow up in a hurry. Right. And I grew up fast. Again, I got that kind of wrestler's grind. I went and I worked a billion things. I bar backed and bartended and bounced and I boxed and I did stand up comedy in the city and I did anything and everything you possibly could, just kind of, you know, make ends meet and eventually pay rent out there, which as you know, it's it's hard. Well, I read you studied speech communications and mm -hmm. media studies. Was sports what you wanted to do? You wanted to do sports. Well, I love sports, but I would take anything. So my first internship was in 1989 at Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous with Robin Leach. <laughs> That's my first one I got. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So I was like, I'll do anything. I just knew right. I need to do anything. Right. And I, I definitely wanted to entertain in some way, but I would have been a producer, a cameraman, um, in anything. And you're right. I went to Pace for um, communications. I didn't really go to class. I got, you know, I, I was actually one of the first adults diagnosed with adult ADD on the East Coast of, of America. Really? Uh, in 1989. And they put me on freaking Ritalin in 89. And I used to have to go explain to my teachers, you know, hey, I got to just take a break from class for a sec, take this pill and kind of put some water on my face. And all my teachers thought I was full of shit. <laughs> so I didn't really go to class. I just went to like, midterms and finals and but i would work i'd bartend and i would intern i was interning at wfa and radio and i was i got a job logging tape at cbs sports for 50 bucks a game like i said i was doing stand-up comedy in the city at like boston comedy club and stand-up new york a lot of people don't know that 
And I was just trying to grind. So if something in like in comedy popped up, I would have done that. If something in sports popped up, I took like a writing class and I ended up bullshitting my way into a job with the New York Post, uh, but also writing, covering the Giants in 93 yeah. for, for zero dollars. And um, <laughs> yeah. then the New York Post in 95 is their NFL insider for $250 a, uh, a week, which came out to nine grand a year. That was the nine thousand four hundred fifty and the 450 bucks is I eventually got a job at New York One TV. I got three payments of $150 and I did a weekly show for them for a car service because I'm like, man, chicks will dig this. And, um, <laughs> and bro, I did this for, I didn't get a full-time job till 99. So I started in the business, those internships in 89 and it wasn't until 99, but I covered the giants all those years, you know, here, hence the ADD here. But like I walked in that giant locker room in 93 and I looked around everybody said, I don't have the experience of them. I don't have the education of everybody else. So how could I be different? And one, I'm like, man, like I got that wrestler's grind. These cats work nine to five. I love working not by a little, by a lot. But that prevented me from working other jobs to like pay my bills. Right. So if they're going to work 40 hours, I'd work 100. And I did. And the only way I got around, thank God, is I met this goofy guy with bad teeth on our first week. And <laughs> we became best friends. And that was Michael Strahan. And yeah. thank God. And he drove me back in the city every single day till I got my first full-time job in 99. So I own like 26 grand in Lincoln Tunnel Fair. Um, but they, those players appreciated my grind. But the other thing I said is I said, okay, how could I be different? Man, all these cats are using their pen as a weapon. I'm going to start relationships with people. I'm going to, I got more in common with these players and coaches than I did my fellow media. And with the relationships will come the exclusive and the scoops. Right. And I got murdered for it for the first, you know, five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 year, whatever, just killed for it. But now everybody has relationships and that's how right. it's supposed to be. Were there okay. insiders at this point? Mm -mm. I mean, there mm -mm. were beat writers, which There's one Will McDonough. Okay. First. And then Gary Myers doing an HBO show on, on inside the NFL, but no. Yeah. So I kind of, that's what Strahan used to say. You've created an industry out of nothing. Like you made it out of nothing. And uh, by being good to people, but that's right? It. I mean, but, being good to people and having them yeah. want to be around you. And then, but giving out this information, I started realizing more and more people want this inside information. This is when that whole internet thing first came out, which I think is going to take off. Um, <laughs> um, I was the first, like minute by minute, breaking news guy in the country. I'm like, man, if I could break stuff on this internet thing and get news out immediately, man, that's okay. That's that's better. Just on there. And I got, I was doing it for CBSSportsLine.com. It was me versus a guy named Len Pascarelli at ESPN.com and John Clayton. And yeah. uh, man, the rest in peace. And, and the great Chris Mortensen. So we're the, really the first ones. And then after that, I try to always pick a fight with ESPN. Because I had this fight background. Right? I went from wrestling and boxing to, <laughs> right. to mixed martial arts early. And, yeah. And the only kind of mainstream guys who were in it back then, mainstream, if you will, were me and, and Rogan and Kevin James and David Spade. They were really into it. But yeah, so I kind of made it, try to pick a fight with ESPN because I knew I I wasn't going to work with them. So every time I broke a story and they tried to steal it, I'd you know make a big deal about it and, and everywhere I could. And it, it was a good brand. And eventually Fox saw it. And thank God hired me in 04 from CBS. And yeah. man, the rest then. This is my 20th year with Fox and Sunday, and we've been around for 30 years. And yeah, they saved my life. It's, you know, they. It's incredible. I could pay my, I'm not making nine grand a year anymore, but I got this family. Like the reason why we're so great at what we do is 
me, Howie, Terry, Jimmy, and, and Stray, we freaking love each other. Like we are best man to each other's weddings. It's been a lot of freaking weddings. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we all, well, a lot of us suck at that. Um, godfathers <laughs> of each other's kids. Like legit, we, we vacation together. We do Thanksgivings together. We do holidays together. We do New Year's together. We do in the off season, we all go to Vegas together. We go to somewhere else together. Like we are constantly hanging out. And I think that shows. Absolutely. Like, right. When you guys Absolutely. invite, it, it's your choice who you watch in the pregame show and who do you want to invite in your, in your home every week. And for 30 years, thank God you all invited us in. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Did you have a time early on? Is there anything memorable where you had you have to draw a line right between the, your relationships and and wanting and also release information that will that other people are interested mm-hmm. in? How did you find early on that line between things that you could say and that you should not say? And did, so, did you ever fail? Yeah, no. There's there's. And look, the lines got even cloudier because after I stopped fighting, I created the first mixed martial arts training program for pro athletes. And I've, me and, and Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell have trained, I don't know, a thousand pro athletes, a lot of them football players, not just fighters. Yeah. Um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of football players, and, and including full teams. Like we went and trained the Falcons twice as a team, and the Saints, and the Browns, and the Rams, and 
for you know month periods or six week periods, things like that. For me, I've always said, if it's off the record, it's off the record. I'll never burn anybody ever. Right. There's been times also even where guys have said things to me very emotionally, and I said, okay, we're we're going to stop this. I just want to make sure you're telling me what you want to make sure is out there because I don't want you tomorrow say I was misquoted. So I'll read back what they'll say and I'll go, is this okay for me to use? Like I want to make sure I don't want this tomorrow. I was fucking misquoted. Don't give me this mis- misquoted. Just make sure we're good here. And they'll be like, yep, yep, I'm good. And a lot. And what I'll usually say to guys is, listen, I'm not trying to catch anything, but if it's going to come out anyway, you know, I'd love to be the first one to have it. And I'm going to do it objectively and I'm not going to kill you over it. Like there is, I broke a story years ago about Balco, which was a steroid investigation in the NFL where a lot of guys got popped and a lot of my friends got popped. And I went to them. I said, listen, I'm coming out with these names tomorrow and your names are on it. You're better off having me do it than someone else who's just going to fuck, fucking killing you and not give you a voice. At least I'm giving you the opportunity to have a voice in what you like to say. Some guys will say, I, I can't say anything, but Okay, and other guys would say, uh, I appreciate my comment is, hey, I'm responsible for what I put in my body, or I didn't know, or whatever it was. But because I have the relationship, I can go to them. Right. But I've never burned anybody. Like I said, if, if and I try and tell young reporters, if you go for the scoop instead of the relationship and you burn someone, you got one scoop, and that's that. If you have a relationship, you can have 10. And then also, you know, look, I wrote a book last year called you know, unbreakable, unbreakable. Yeah. How I turn my depression, anxiety into motivation and you can too. And one of my things that I use in there to get the roommates in my head to talk nicely and not to live in this gray is to have a team. And even though I was covering these guys all those years, they became my team. They became, you know, a team that helped lift me up out of this gray. You know, I'd have this big personality and always talking to them as, as a reporter, but it wasn't, they were actually helping me out, saving me, at the same time. So it was a little bit more important to me. So that's why I never wanted to ever burn anybody because I needed this team to, to help me through it. It's, you know, severe. I wake up every single day of my life where it's hard to get out of bed and, and the sky's falling. I've always been like this. It's not something that just happened. It's from when you were a kid, from when I was a kid. Yeah. Always, always. So I've always kind of needed these teams to, to get me out and it, it's helped me quite a bit. Uh, now that I talk about it openly, it tell me a lot more. But yeah, so to that fine line that you're talking about, I used to get killed a lot by people who say, oh, he's not uh, he's not objective. He's friends with these guys. He's this and that. And then everybody realized, OK, the only the, the smart way to do this business is to have relationships with people. Yeah. You mentioned mixed martial arts, MMA. Mm-hmm. You actually did a couple of professional mm-hmm. fights while you were working for CBS one and one. So that's loss was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. It was because people would be like, huh? And people, there are certain cats who actually made fun of me for losing. But I'm like, would you motherfuckers ever step in a cage? Fuck you. Right. No. But right. when I say it's the best thing ever happened, back then it was style versus style. I had boxing experience and I had wrestling experience and no jujitsu experience. Man, I took this guy down so I could headbutt him and smash him because back then you could headbutt him. And it was this this style that I picked up from a guy that I'm really close friends with who The Rock is now going to make his movie named Mark Kerr, and it was guys like, you know, Mark Coleman and Kevin Randleman, that that style of this ground and pound. I didn't want any jiu-jitsu, and because I got choked out my first fight with a guillotine, it forced me to go learn jiu-jitsu and go train with the Gracies and become really, really, really close with 
was Hendel Gracie and Hoist Gracie and those cats, but it made me a lot more well-rounded and allowed me then to go coach all these football players that I became really, really, really close with. So the loss was, the win was great, but the cool, the funny part, you, you bring it up. I went to my boss at CBS and I said, hey, I'm, I want to compete in this mixed martial arts thing. And I didn't say anything about a cage or headbutting or anything like that. <laughs> boss, Sean McManus was still there. was like, martial arts? Yeah, that's cute. No problem. Okay. And I would cut weight all week and then go down to Atlantic City, fight, come back. And nobody didn't have any idea. And I was also on MSG Network. And that the one fight during the season, I went and I broke this middle knuckle on the guy's forehead or eye socket or whatever the fuck it was. And then I had a big lump here in the middle of my head from headbutting him. And I tried to just have makeup do some of that. They couldn't. And then I would keep my right hand in my pocket while I was on TV the next day. <laughs> and, then, and then I signed with, with Fox. And the day before I competed in something called the World Submission Fighting Championships. And you have to you know, go against three guys in like 45 minutes. And um, I got fucked up pretty bad in the process. And I come into my first day at Fox and like, my eyes shut, and I don't know if I broke a foot or, or I know my ribs got fucked up. Oh and God. David Hill, who is the chairman of Fox, is like, what the fuck happened to you? And I'm like, I just won the World Submission Fighting Championship. <laughs> <laughs> and it was my first day at Fox. And he goes, and he's, he's Australian, he goes, I don't know what the fuck that is, but you will never fucking do it again. <laughs> and I was on a team out in Arizona, and I kept doing it, doing it, doing it, and just figuring i just, you know, apologize. And then one day I was hosting a show with Eddie George, Tim Brown, and Jason Seorn. And I had a teammate of mine named uh, Jamie Varner, who was going to fight Benson Henderson for the lightweight championship of the world. And I was a southpaw. Benson was a southpaw. So I was, was trying to help out a lot. And one day of practice, I got this tooth knocked out. I broke this bone next to, like, under my orbital bone, like, right next to my nose. And I got a gash down my forehead. I come walking in to host this show on Fox. And I'm missing a tooth, and the makeup artist is like, are, are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, oh, you just put your makeup on. She's like, you're missing a tooth. <laughs> and uh, I hosted the entire show with my lip over, like, hiding my teeth. Mm -hmm. And hi, guys. It's Jay Glazer, Eddie George, Tim Brown, and Jason. So you earned them. Did the whole show like that. And the boss's fox came to me and said, hey, we're, we're all about your fight career. I'm like, really? I'm like, yep. But you come in with so much as a hangnail from now on, you're off our air forever. And I was like, huh? And they're like, you're, if your ears cauliflower, I'm like, my, my ears don't cauliflower. Like my, never have. And since I've been wrestling since 82, never have. And I'm like, I, and I normally don't cut. This is just like, they're like, no, you don't understand. We're telling you. <laughs> right. You come in with a pimple on your nose. You're off the air forever. We're not going through this again. So I had to stop immediately there. And then, like I said, I had to learn how to start coaching guys. But that also allowed me to be the first host of an MMA show in America because I, I knew the sport you know, better than everybody back then. So it's yeah, it's a pretty wild ride, man. That's awesome. But all, it also allows me to walk in any locker room, though, and not get bullied by players. Right. Do they try? No, not now because I've trained now. so many of them. And they knew me from mixed martial arts in the early. But yeah, early on, guys would, would treat me like everybody else. And I'd kind of look at them like, fuck, did you just say? And then I'd kind of go after guys and... They'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. So yeah, there was definitely a reputation of, uh, man, this fucking guy will fight you before we'll fight him. So we'll kind of ease off him. So that, that definitely helped. Because that get the locker room, man, it's, it's a lot of testosterone in there. I got to bring it up because it's probably the thing that made you, well, the best in the business, or at least to be known as the best in the business shortly after you joined. 
Fox, a little thing called Spygate happens. <laughs> and somehow, some way, I think to this day, nobody knows how, but you obtain the video and your life changes yeah. forever. How did you get the video? Well, you gave it to me. <laughs> you got it from Aaron Rodgers. You gave it to me. <laughs> and, yeah, now I don't want Aaron talking shit about me now. Like he's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, stay away. Yeah. Stay away from <laughs> that one. I'll never, ever, but it changed my life. And yeah. everybody thought that all the copies were destroyed. I ended up yeah. getting a copy. No, I'll never say how, ever. Yeah. And I left so many breadcrumbs towards other people that could have given it to me. And poor, ah, man, I, I kind of framed two guys that were that I'm really close with too that work with us at Fox now, Mike Brer and Dean Blandino. And I kind of made it like lead to the, those guys. Like they gave it to me and they got framed. And to this day, people still accuse them of it and all that. And people have no fucking idea where I got it from, nor will they ever do. And But people don't know. That was my second week in studio in Fox. Really? Yeah. So the guys didn't know me. And nor did they want me on. I mean, they'd already been there for 10 years. Last thing. Right. Howie Long and Terry Bradshaw and Jimmy Johnson want to give up time to this young fucking punk who they don't know because I was always on the road doing games and reports. For this. They didn't really know me. And that same David Hill, originally I would only do one, have one segment, but David's like, man, people really love this insider business and they want more and more and more of this. So we're going to start spreading your information over three segments and then they bring everybody in to our production meeting in the morning. They tell them, hey, guys, from now on, Jay's not going to have one second. He's going to have three, but today he's going to have four. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Thanks a lot. This guy's name is Scott Ackerson. And Howie and Terry and Jimmy are looking at me like, fuck him. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they're like, hey, hey, before you guys get upset, we're giving him a fourth segment because he has a spy game video. And they're like, what, 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 what? As he has the video. And Howie Long gets up and he goes, who's now one of my fucking brother right we are so close dude and doesn't look at me points at me goes you're telling me this kid has the spygate video to the producer still not looking at me he's like yes you're telling me he has the actual video yes and jimmy johnson looks across the room to me he goes really got the video i go i got the video and terry bradshaw goes He's okay with me. I'm like, oh, thank you, my best friend, God Almighty in heaven. And went on, and I actually called Roger Goodell, and I said, hey, man, listen, I just want to give you a heads up. I got the Spygate video. I'm going with it. And he's like, you can't have the video. I, I destroyed them all. I said, right, you guys think you did, but I got the video, and I'm, I'm going with it. But I want to give you the heads up. And I'm also just saying it because I know you're trying to launch an investigation, but if you do, I'm going to leave so many breadcrumbs toward who it's not it's really going to fuck up your front office there and everything else. People are going to be so paranoid and accusatory of each other. So I'm just asking you not to do the investigation that I think it's going to end up hurting more people. And Roger's response, which will surprise you, was, you got the video? I said, yeah. He said, man, that's, that's huge for you. And I said, yeah. He goes, well, congrats. That's, that's big. And he said, but you can't ask me not to do an investigation. I'm going to have to try and figure out who gave it to you. I said, I hear you, but... Roger, I'm just going to, I'm going to leave so many breadcrumbs everywhere. So he wasn't like, no, don't. He was like, he appreciated the hard work. And, wow. you know, my, but it, it changed my life. And then all of a sudden it went from Spygate video to how did this guy get the Spygate video? And I remember I'm on a beach with my dad in South Carolina 
and Senator Arlen Specter calls me. Yes, I heard this. And yeah. asked me for my copy of the Spygate video and offered up a bigger scoop if I gave him my video. And this is the guy who did the Kennedy assassination. Right. And I was like, hey, Senator Specter, respectfully, I just did a home run, a grand slam against the Yankees in the bottom of the ninth and of the World Series. There's nothing bigger you could give me. But also, I, I don't think Congress should be worrying about where I get scoops or spy get videos. I don't think that's where my tax dollars should go. He said, I don't want to have to go here, but if you don't give us the video, you, you might, you know, basically threaten me with jail time for obstruction of justice, to which I was like, to hell do I care? All I do is fight and lift anyway. And, 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 and uh, so my dad's looking at me like, what are you doing? And then the Fox guys also, they had heard it. It was printed to them when I said that. And the Fox guys are like, what are you doing? Because I'm just trying to show Congress that I'm off. They're like, you're trying to show Congress that you're off. I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to, try to show them I'm crazy. So they don't, they won't deal with me anymore. And they're like, you're trying, I'm like, look, it's working with you right now. It's like, you are fucking crazy. I'm like, right. So they're like, don't say another word about it. Don't say anything else about it. But it, yeah, it changed my life. The backstory about it is so insane. The only copy in existence. I used to show it at parties at my house all the time and, and just had some fun with it. But it changed my life, man. It really did. It, it, it changed my life. Again, thank you, God, my best friend almighty. Wow. That's incredible. And, you know, talk about starting a new job and showing your employer that they made, that they made the right call. Well, well the, the crazy thing is they, they had a meeting with me with attorneys and everything. They're like, how did you get it? I said, I can't tell you. And they said, did you steal it? I'm like, steal it. How am I going to steal it? I'm not, I'm not going to, you think I broke into Park like, Avenue? Like, like Watergate? Like, what yeah, are you talking like, about? What? And they're like, we have to ask. They said, you know, they're going to start an investigation and, and, Whoever your friend is who gave it to you, he's going to get caught. And I said, I didn't know it's a he. I said, listen, this is my job. I said, if you don't want to go with it, then I'm going to put it somewhere. But this is what you hired me to do. You hired me because I, I'm the best at what I do and things like this. And um, later that year, I got another videotape of a player jumping another player at the Palms restaurant, uh, at the Palms Casino and like pulling his chains off and all this stuff. And I, I walk in, and again, David Hill is sitting there. He's looking at the video, and he looks at me, and he goes, you got the fucking surveillance video for the bombs. I said, yeah. He goes, I don't even want to know. I don't even want to know. And just walks out. <laughs> oh, that's so, That was so a wild awesome. year. It was all, same, all so the same awesome. year. Yeah, yeah. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Bean Dad. The Dress. 
30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You've mentioned it before. You have also been an incredible advocate for mental health and depression. Your book you mentioned before, Unbreakable, phenomenal. Your podcast, interviews you've done. You know, I follow you on Instagram. Uh, You know, you're very public about Mm -hmm. even daily struggles that you have. Well, two questions. One, does that openness help you? And two, are you doing it to try to help others, try to destigmatize an issue? Yeah, you know, and again, I talked about the book, like one of my pillars to help me is is having a team. Another one is being of service. And one thing God blessed me with is the ability to communicate things well. And I'm like, man, we, we can all talk about mental health. And people are saying mental health, but I want to give it words. So then you can have the conversation. You know, I never talked it like it used to be, hey, Glazer's crazy. And um, after I came out with it, actually, Mercedes Lewis, who's a long time you know, NFL player now going into like year 19 or 20 or isn't yeah. 19, whatever. Um, and I trained him for years in mixed martial arts. And he's like, man, I always knew you were crazy. I just didn't know how much pain you were in. I'm sorry. I didn't see it. Mm. And, you know, for that, again, it helps build more teams. But for me to be able to, when I describe what an anxiety or panic attack felt like, which I have every single week, I go on TV where you feel like you're having a heart attack and your eyes are shaking back and forth and you're sweating and your hands are going back and you know shaking and you feel like the walls are caving in. All the things I've learned how to handle that now, that knowing that I'm safe and how to breathe it out and laughter helps me a lot too. Once I came out with that, I can't tell you how many people in our business reached out to me. I was like, oh my God, thank God, because that's what I go through too. And I didn't know what it was. And and for years, like my first anxiety attack was in empty Raider Stadium in 2005. And I thought I was having a heart attack and I was getting my heart checked out for 12 years. It actually wasn't until I heard Terry Bradshaw talk about it. I was like, oh shit, that's what, that's what it is. That's what I have. So then I realized I could do the same thing for other people. I could talk about it, but also talk about ways like I call it the gray, living in the gray, mm-hmm. which is depression, anxiety, and the ADHD and the bipolar and all this shit and the blue. And I used to exist in the gray. And now because I've come out and talk about it, my life is the blue. And I, I wanted to give people hope. There's a way for us to get out of it. It's by having a team, by, you know, I, I learned all these things. Now. I've done a lot of work on myself, I'm constantly with a therapist, which is a therapist for me as a coach, right? So why wouldn't I? Like physically, we're always doing stuff to help ourselves. 
And I tell football teams this all the time. You're always catching passes, not just when you get drops. You know, you're always you're doing tackling drills, not just when you're tackling drills. You do it all the time. But we only go to a therapist when the sky's falling. We're never proactive about it. So, so let's smart. start getting right. So let's start getting as proactive about that. But there's probably not enough therapists out there for us. But right now, I view them as a coach, same way. But at the same time, we can lean into each other and be each other's coaches. And the more you can lean into your teammates like that, think how close you guys will be as a team. So it's got me closer to everybody. Not one friend has told me to suck it up for them being a wuss. Right. Nobody. And like for me also, I wanted to be a doodly. I think a doodly dude who talks about it is is great because no one's questioned my manhood. Right. So I can try on the drop of a dime. I could sit there and come on Instagram and be open. I think the last time I did that was about a month or two ago. I was just doing great. And then just one day I woke up and fuck, man, the sky was falling. And I just thought my world was ending. And instead of me just sitting in bed and, and keeping inside and fucking crying in the fetal position in the corner of my room, like I used to do, I took to Instagram. I told people, hey, man, I'm struggling today. Today is one of those days. And I always told you all I would be honest about it. And to show you you're not alone, we can walk this walk together. And it immediately people just started reaching out to me and, and it got me through it. Where in the past, I, I, I'd make some bad decisions uh, to get me through it. I just used, you know, Vicodin and alcohol to get me through it and go out and get myself. And, and you've probably seen me in some of those situations when you and I mm-hmm. used to hang out at Rock and Riley's together. Where I was probably on one and it wasn't good for me. So now I'm learning things that I never learned before. I'm learning how to, you know, love that kind of like the little, the little kid me who's so fucked up and learn how to love him up, little Jason and, you know, um, breath work and meditation. And now I have these new unbreakable habits that I do every day. And that allows me to live in the blue instead of the gray. The gray still visits, but it's just a fucking visitor where it used to be pull up a chair at the dinner table and sit there all fucking day long. So that's why I want to talk about it. So yeah, be of service to, to everybody else to let them know. And I do think that those of us with mental health issues are in the majority. We're not the minority. We feel like we're in the minority because we don't talk about it. And even if, look, my level is clinical, but we're all going through something these days because, man, we all think our lives suck because we compare ourselves to everybody else's filtered fraction of one second of one day on Instagram or Facebook. And it's highlights. Like, how are you supposed to survive? Like, we all think our lives, but my life sucks. Everybody else has great highlights all the time. Or people giving you these motivational quotes all the time and, Fuck, it's not what life is. Or you're on Twitter where you're just getting bullied a thousand times a second. So we're all going through something. So I wanted to give a voice to people and give people, give it words so we could start having conversations with our friends and our wives and our kids, especially, and our moms and dads. I've had grandparents reach out saying, thank you for the first time in 80 years. I now have the words to tell my husband and kids and grandkids what I've been struggling with for 80 years. And a lot of girl dads saying, man, I now I, I can understand my, my girl, my little girl a little bit better. And that, that for me has been the most special thing in the world. So that's why I've continued this podcast, you know, Unbreakable. Now we're, I'm calling it a mental wealth podcast instead of mental health. Because I still think it has that stigma, but meant to get through these mental health issues, that leads to mental wealth. Yeah. You're an amazing, amazing guy. And you, you are you helping too. people so much. And I just want to let you know, though, it's not something that I, you know, it's certainly nothing clinical for me, right. but the courage that you have shown and the the real help that you are giving to people 
is really admirable. So thank I, I want to thank you for that. I and I, that. I have to mention MVP, merging veterans and players. You started that with Nate Boyer. You know, I'll do a terrible job of explaining what it is, but basically you are joining together former combat veterans and former athletes to help each other with the veterans transition back into regular life, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about why doing that work for the veterans and for the players, by the way, you've talked to me in the past about the help that you feel like it gives to past players as well. Talk to me about why. Yeah. I started this out in my living room eight years ago. I've kind of actually now I've stepped away running and I've handed it over to to those guys um, because it it gets really big and you're like, you know, I'm not a paid employee and I'm taking up, you know, 90% of your time. So I'm like, oh, I got to, I got to hand off to these cats and let them kind of run and do it. And I'm just proud of it. It's, um, yeah, I started in my living room with like two combat vets and uh, a fighter and a football player. And, um, and I know the job isn't the same, but losing the locker room is the same. The, the suck of that, losing your team is the same. So I just thought back then, man, what if we kind of put them together? We train them for about a half hour just to give you your locker room back. And then we just talk. We have mental health talks. And it started from my living room and then went to my gym on Breakable in, in West Hollywood. And we'd have, you know, 70, 80, 90 people there uh, on a night. And, and I would a lot of times kind of life coach this and talk about this. And that's where I got the words from to write a book and to use it for everybody else. I knew if I could help this high risk group kind of get through it. And, and my thought to them was, look. You playing the NFL is not who you are, right? They think their uniform comes off and it's over. No. Right. What's behind your ribcage that got you to beat out millions and millions and millions of people? That's who the fuck you are. That doesn't suddenly just leave when the uniform comes off. But who tells them that? So now if I can give them a group that can remind them of that, then, man, to walk this walk with, it's great. But similar combat vets, you go overseas and you do all these great things. You have grace under fire, courage under pressure. And they come back over here and they're like, oh, I'm different. I'm like, no, motherfucker, you're different. Different is good. Different leads to success. But who tells them that? So I try to get this group so we can remind each other of that and, and really build each other up. And like I said, it's a beautiful thing. It's it's in eight different cities. And yeah, I hope really hope that they can they can build it and grow it and do even bigger and better things. And you know, I, I, this was my this was my second charity. I used to do one also with uh, kids called Touchdown Dreams, where I would have children who were fighting for their lives, and I'd link them up with like their favorite athlete or sports teams to walk this walk together, not just like a one shot deal to like bring them in and have them captain of the day and, you know, really be part of the team, not just for that one day, but moving forward with guys would go visit them in the hospital and, you know, they would, you know, talk on the phone. It would be a constant thing. So those are my, the two charities I've started. Now I'm trying to do a third one with Unbreakable and, you know, a bigger mental health one. We'll we'll see, you know, the MVP part was, was beautiful and, you know, they're continuing to, to, I think, roll out in more cities as we speak. I know they're trying to. That's awesome. Yeah. You're an actor as well. I mean, you are the hardest man. No, I'm working, not an actor. Man. I was a it, baller, but I'm not an actor. You're a baller. I played self, yeah. Bones? Uh, the <laughs> longest yard? Yeah, well, you're yeah, about yeah. to be in a movie. What are you talking about? Uh, uh, Underdogs uh, with Snoop Dogg, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. We do. Yeah, yeah, Snoop. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm playing my normal dickhead self in just about all these. I did the league. I was doing that, which I loved. Oh, the league. That's right. Yeah. But that's how, you know, the, I did the, um, the game plan with The Rock, and that's how he and I became so close, and that's what got me, you know, with ballers. And 
but like I couldn't remember my like you like remembering all those scripts and all those lines. I don't know how to fuck you do it. I would come on and be like, hence the ADHD part. Of like I can't do this shit. And Dwayne would just be like, just just let him do whatever. He just, <laughs> just, I would change all my lines. Just and let I couldn't him remember do this whatever. shit. And they're like, just just let him do him. And thank God, like, but I was playing myself. If I had to play somebody else, I, I'm sure I'd figure out a way. But that. Um, you guys being able to remember all that has always like I've marveled at it. Like I don't have that that mental capacity. I don't think we'll see. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday. What was the greatest football game that happened in 2023 this season? Uh, greatest, most important, significant, best. Where, where are you leading me on something? Drama. Here? I don't know. I, it's I've all. Just, they all are. Like I, I, it's it's a constant. No, they all like every week. It's the greatest reality show in the world. Every week, there's some sort of something that shocks you. You're like, whoa, holy shit! All right. I yeah. I was talking to the person that I went to the game with, and you know, I've been lucky. I've talked about this. Lucky enough to go to playoff games and Super Bowls, and I don't remember ever having the full wide spectrum of emotion of visual than the first Monday night football game for the jets and the bills week one. But that's not the best game. That's like September 11th. Yeah. Uh, I said like mean, like, like, uh, memorable wide range of emotions, drama, horror. That was like, yeah, that's, (laughs) that was right there. Like curse of the jets, like shit. Yeah. Like, it happened, and you're like, oh, my God, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen to the Jets. It's like, yeah, wild, wild, wild. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, it was, that, that was wild. But, but nothing surprised me. Nothing surprised me in the league this year. Yeah. <clears throat> Biggest story this year? Um, Aaron. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that is up. The b- biggest story I brought up this year was nobody knowing that the Philadelphia Eagles got rid of their <laughs> – changed their defensive coordinator, and it just sat – nobody knew and I kind of can't, and I didn't even tell my guys on, on Fox. And I said, you know, this week the Eagles made a very, very quietly made a huge move by firing Sal Desai as their defense coordinator and putting in Matt Patricia. And all the guys on the show were like, what? They changed their defense coordinator and nobody knows? How does nobody know? I'm like, that's what I do. And they're like, what? You got to be kidding me. And, Wait, do you yeah. broke it on the air to them? The you air. hadn't even told them? No. Oh no. We don't rehearse. Like, we don't rehearse our show. Right. Like, when we come on. The first time, like we have a Yeah, but you're in the like, makeup trailer. You don't mention yeah, it fake. at all. They knew I had something big in the Eagles. I didn't say what it was. They just knew it was big. And then they were like, it's fucking better be big. It's, you know, you're building up so much. I'm like, oh, yeah, trust me, guys. It'll be big. And Strayan looks at me like, how does no one know this? It doesn't knock it out. And he's like, that's what Jay does. And it was great. Yeah. Who's going to the Super Bowl this year? Um, it's in Las Vegas, by the way. I don't know if you heard. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. I mean, listen, right now, the Ravens are King Kong. You know, they're they beat up on the best teams in the league. Hey, look, it's the two ones, but you know, I think the 49ers are just physical. Now, you know, what happens the next time they face the, here's the one thing though the Rams playing the Ravens down there and taking King Kong to the brink in their weather changed who the Rams were. So that makes them real dangerous. I don't know. I just the, the two one teams are the most complete teams. Right. And if the two one teams, when this episode airs, are not still in, well, then right. there you go. We were we were we were we, we were wrong. wrong. Which, yeah, which is why I don't gamble. I feel like there are going to be more big surprises yeah. 
this well, year. I wouldn't want to face the Bills going to this playoffs. Also. You wouldn't want to face the Bills. Yeah, I wouldn't want to. I face mean, the, the Rams. You mentioned. Yep. It's whoever gets hot last. And I. And by the way, both teams might lose, and this is not homerdom. Mm-hmm. In the NFC, the two teams, not the two best teams, but the two teams playing the best, are the six and seven seed. I would argue the Packers and the Rams are playing yeah, the best. It's usually, yeah, it's usually who gets hot last. Yeah. And I, we said we, we all said this on our show about a month ago. Watch out for those Rams and the Bills. If they make it in, you don't want to face them. They're just – Right. They, yeah. 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 You are amazing. I Thank love you, watching you every Sunday morning and getting the scoop, getting the real – the real scoop from the real source, the OG, the man that started it all. <laughs> Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you coming Thanks, on and, you, uh, and talking to you. And I think we're going to be chatting. Yeah, I'm going to have you on my podcast, too. I know. So go check that I out. Unbreakable it. with Jay Glazer. Everything he does turns to gold or he's going to kick your ass. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I love you, man. I appreciate you. You're the best, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on. Maybe I will see you next week in Viva Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. You know, the Rams and the Bills, maybe they didn't go as far as we thought when we recorded this, but we've still got the Chiefs and the Niners. What an unbelievable matchup. Can Patrick Mahomes do it again? Listeners, if you don't know, I got to do Jay's podcast as well. Go check it out. Unbreakable. I'm going to be on there very soon. And uh, even without me, there are a lot of great guests and important things to learn from that podcast. I will be here next time, just like I always am. Until then, have a fantastic week. Off the Beat is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our senior producer is Diego Tapia. Our producers are Liz Hayes, Hannah Harris, and Emily Carr. Our talent producer is Ryan Papa Zachary, and our intern is Ali Amir Sahin. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by the one and only Creed Bratton. growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. 
Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.